Hello, 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 and welcome back to episode two of the Winging It podcast. Yet again, I am joined by Ben. Hello, guys. Uh, so it is Saturday the 17th, which means only one thing. It's my favourite time of the week. It is match day for pretty much every league across the country. Um, a lot of talking points have happened since the last podcast. Uh, a lot of games happening today. So, uh, yeah, let's let's just jump straight into it. And um, I, I don't think we can we can start with anything but Sammy Abraham misses a penalty to uh, hand Liverpool the Super Cup in Istanbul. I mean, I was watching the game with a Chelsea fan. And I was acutely aware of what I'd said on the podcast previously. And I, and I thought I was going to owe everybody an apology because, you know, Chelsea performed way better, uh, way better than I thought they were going to do. Um, you know, the couple goals disallowed. Um, Kepa made an absolute worldie of a double save um, to keep keep them in the tie. Um, and then I thought it was written. It was written for them to win on penalties. Um, and Kepa didn't cover himself in too too much glory uh, there was a couple that he got close to that he should have saved that he didn't but that penalty from Abraham it was it, it was crap wasn't it it was a crap penalty I think I think that penalty sums up his confidence level at the moment it is literally on the floor because even even against United he had a couple of bright bright spells a couple of shots one hit the cross uh, one hit the post and the crossbar whatever uh, but you can see he's a man that is heavily lacking confidence at this moment in time. Um, but, you know, it, it falls back to the same old saying of, you know, they've, they've got an Englishman as manager. England don't do too well with penalty shootouts. So um, You're right. You're right. You know, anyone can miss a penalty. Anyone can miss a penalty. Lampard's miss penalties. Gerrard's miss penalties. It doesn't matter, you know, who you are. Aguero missed his last three. It was only that he got you know, the, the benefit of the doubt. The AR saved him yeah. last Saturday. It, it, exactly. Um, so a- anyone can miss a penalty for sure. But, you know, when it's your team, it's 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 difficult to swallow, isn't it? No, 100%. I mean, uh, the main reason we were, no, I wanted to bring up the Super Cup was um, I've seen some of the absolutely disgusting abuse that, that Tammy Abraham has since suffered online from his own fans. Vile. Um, you know, if, if if somebody comes out and says, oh, you're shit, you shouldn't play for this club, that's fair enough. But the fact that their fans have been going onto Twitter and Instagram and the social media channels and racially abusing him after after he missed a penalty is just is just ridiculous. And it just seems to be a more consistent thing nowadays. And, and somebody needs to step in and do something. What What can they do? Because, you know, this has been prominent in football ever since I've started watching it. You know, I think there's initiatives and awareness is being raised and, you know, it's happening less and less. But we're also in a world of social media now where you've got direct access to players. Um, You can vent and it can be picked up really quickly. It can snowball. Um, So when it is happening, we're hearing about it more. It's becoming a bigger deal than it used to be. Um, And when I say bigger deal, I don't mean it shouldn't be a big deal. Um, If you're going to assassinate somebody you know, for, for, for their heritage, for their beliefs, for their religion, etc. You need to be punished. But I, I just don't think the governing bodies are taking it as seriously as it as it needs to be taken. What what are the punishments that are being handed out? I think I, I think for me, the governing bodies are doing everything within their power to to try and stop it. But I mean, they they work quite closely with Kick It Out. They have respect campaigns going on throughout the season. But it falls down to the people that actually run these social media these social media um, avenues. So you know, you look at people like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You know, kick it out, and the governing bodies need to liaise directly with them and and, and just show them the evidence and say, look, this is a list of, of what people are saying to these people. Like, you need to step in and do something. You know, if it's a case of even if Twitter has to fire people to go through their site and find the people that are being racist and ban them or refer it to Metropolitan Police, then so be it. But something something needs to be done before before the the um the, the threats over social media become more than just threats and something ends up happening to a player from something that has generated on social media. I, I agree with you and, and when you think about you know something happening to to a player 
it doesn't necessarily even need to be, you know, from a, another source. Um, players deal with, you know, difficult situations every day. They're people, they're human beings, just like us. And because they're in the public eye, does that mean that, you know, we are uh, allowed to, to take shots at them, to swipe at them, to criticise them? No, no, we're not. And some people can deal with it, some people can't. And we may very quickly get to a point where a player does something to themselves because they, they can't cope with, with, with the abuse that they're getting. I, I just think you're absolutely right. The social media platforms need to take their responsibility seriously. I think there's a lot more that they could do to regulate what's posted um, through their through their platforms. Um, but, but I also think that, you know, some of the initiatives aren't enough aren't enough when people fall foul of racism or you know kind of socially aggravated behaviors they need to be punished significantly significantly because uh, a fine of 25,000 pounds 30,000 pounds 100,000 pounds 2 million pounds it's not going to affect certain clubs and you know I think the the only way you can start really tackling it is 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 expulsion from competitions that's the only thing I can see that's good, that's going to stop it. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, I, I listened to an interesting piece on Talksport a few weeks ago, and um, and it was it was along the lines of fines don't deter the problem, because every Premier League club probably turns over two million pounds in the first couple of months of the season. The only way to the only way to deal with it and and make sure that it is dealt with is to issue um, points deductions. Sure. And you know, going by recent history, Chelsea will probably finish bottom of the league. But you know, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna force them to wake up and realise what is going on within their club. You know, we had we had the incident last season where where a Chelsea fan was um, racially abusing Raheem Sterling. Mm, I saw. And I think that was only dealt with a couple of weeks ago, where Chelsea issued a lifetime ban. It's 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 difficult. It's difficult because it's it's isolated which you know you would think would make it easier to deal with but sometimes the avenues that you need to go through the protocols that need to follow the red tape the bureaucracy it's i suppose it just delays the inevitable and it needs to happen everybody knew that the fan that was racially abusing Raheem Sterling was going to get a lifetime ban he was going to get in trouble social media found him within you know a few hours so it wasn't it wasn't a case of Chelsea not knowing who he was. I just think that when you're being trialled by social media, it means that you have to be a lot more careful in the, you know, the actual formal process. And, you know, we, we, we need to be dealing with situations as soon as they arise. We can't let them continue, uh, I guess. You know, Tammy Abraham missed the penalty. But so, so what? So what? You know, as you, as you absolutely said, abuse him if you if you have to abuse him um, for missing a penalty. I will add that he hit the target, the keeper saved it, but, you know, the penalty didn't go in, but that doesn't mean that, you know, you have to cuss him for being tall, for being black, for being this, for being that. You know, it, it's 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 a personal attack by narrow-minded people, but it gathers momentum really, really quickly. And, you know, people like it, people share it, people retweet it. And, and then it feels like it's, you know, just sustained abuse. And, 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 and I'm not quite sure that, it is, but at the same time, you know, once once is enough. You know, it shouldn't be happening once. And 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 there are things that people can do that they're not doing to, you know, really, really cut it out, stamp it out. Yeah, no, um, ab- absolutely. And the thing the thing for me is, um, is that you know, Tammy Abraham made his first start for Chelsea since 2016. Um, against Manchester United. Now it should be a happy time for him, you know, a, a joyous occasion for him, for his family, coming back to Chelsea after you know going out learning his craft. But you know he's now he's now faced with this this issue, where he he's in his mind he's going to be worried: is this going to continue while I'm at Chelsea? Do I need to go somewhere else for this to not happen? Because it's well documented and well known that. The, 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 I, w- I would say it's a bit unfair to say it. It's a bit biased, but the lion's share of racial abuse does come from Chelsea. And if you look over the last five years, 
the, the lion's share of, of occasions where people have had to get involved over racist abuse has actually come from Chelsea or at a Chelsea game. So it's 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 very difficult for Tammy Abraham and you know he he has always suffered with a bit of a lack of confidence, you know, going down to Aston Villa and and, and being one of their one I think one of their top scorers last season and getting them up to the Premier League, that would have given them a whole lot of confidence. But then the, the last two games will have just completely shattered it and he'll be back to back 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 to zero again. So it's 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 a very difficult situation, obviously. Personally I, I really like Tammy Abraham and I hope he does really well. Same. I mean, I hadn't thought about it how you thought about it. You know, he had a very successful season with Aston Villa, like very successful season. And you're absolutely right. It should be, you know, a very joyous occasion for him and his family. You know, he's been given the number nine shirt at Chelsea. I know they're, you know, a little bit short up front, but he's been given the number nine shirt. He's going to get a lot more games. And, you know, with that is going to come added pressure, is going to come added scrutiny. But that added pressure and added scrutiny shouldn't exist in you know kind of racial aggravation yeah no absolutely um but yeah i think i think we'll have to we'll have to leave it there for the for the chelsea and Sammy abraham stuff i'm sure it's going to come up again in the next few weeks when we get more details um over over the actual the actual people because i have heard that kick it out are going to be meeting with twitter so so hopefully something comes out of that meeting and, and we can we can move forward positively sure. and, and try and try and stamp this out um, so Liverpool um, winning the Super Cup on Wednesday, and then their second choice goalkeeper gets taken out by a fan, <laughs> potentially leaving him unable to play this weekend. Um, this is probably I would I would definitely say this is probably the funniest stories I've heard this week. Um, I've actually seen the video. Um, if you haven't seen it, we're gonna we're gonna pin it to the top of our Twitter. And it's during the celebrations, this guy literally runs across the goal line, tries to get involved in the celebrations, slips and just boots Adrian in the ankle. And it's just like, I mean, what what, what do Liverpool have to do to get it right? <laughs> it, it was it was funny. It really was funny. I, I, I saw the same video on, on Twitter, actually. And, you know, the, 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 the fan just absolutely stacked it. He just absolutely stacked it, took Adrian out, you know, double-footed. It would have been a Vinnie Jones tackle. Vinnie Jones or, or Roy Keane on Alfinger Haaland. Oh, yeah, it's definitely a straight red card. It, it's, it's, it's two red cards. It's, it's literally two red cards. And, you know, I think the, the situation that is, is now presenting itself is, I mean, they, emergence, uh, they emergency signed a, a keeper called um, Lonergan. Um, Lonergan, who was at... Uh, was he at Rochdale last year? And he was on. He was on loan at Rochdale and didn't really get many games at Rochdale yeah, last season. He, he got he, he got next to no games at, at Rochdale, um, and now he's found himself potentially potentially playing for Liverpool today away at Southampton. And yep. you know when, when when me and you were speaking about this earlier on in the week, I couldn't believe that Liverpool didn't have a, a, a confident enough junior keeper within their under 23s their, their their reserves to the point where they had to go out and you know sign someone on an emergency loan now don't get me wrong they weren't expecting adrian to get injured but you know you'd think a, a club of liverpool's quality with the facilities that liverpool have they do bring through youth and, and i couldn't believe that they didn't have a, a youth keeper that they would have they would have promoted um yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely an interesting one because I do know that Liverpool have got um a an academy keeper. Um let's have a look here. They have got it's it's an Irish guy, I'm sure it is. It 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 it, it begs the question though, doesn't it? You know, if if I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not, gonna, I'm not even gonna try and pronounce this. Um, <laughs> wow, Kalmin Kelleher. There we go. Um, and apparently he's an Irish wonder kid who's who's um who's currently on the books at Liverpool. Um, apparently he's he's come he come he comes from Cork and transferred over uh, a few years back. But the the, the question um, apparently he was part of the um, preseason tour as well, and he was on the bench with the Super Cup. But the question the question that I have is. If you're so unconvinced by this youth team keeper, 
why are you going to sign a guy that couldn't even get a game in League One last season? It's it, it's a crazy one. It's a crazy one. I mean, Rob Green to Chelsea a couple a uh, couple of years ago. Rob Green's, you know, he should have retired after the World Cup uh, when he let in. I think it was a Clint Dempsey strike from, you know, the hundred yards away. He he shouldn't have been playing professional football after that. But keepers they they live a charmed life. I remember Richard Wright. Um, in the heyday of his career was at Manchester City, uh, and I think I think you just keepers are just a, a, a commodity. They're a commodity these yeah, days. Yeah, I mean, if you remember, if you remember Julio Cesar <laughs> after that calamitous season at QPR, I think he went back to Portugal and played in the um, played played for Benfica and won the title. Yeah, he did. So he did, it's, you're absolutely it's just, right. It's, it's it's absolutely crazy to think that keepers can make so many high-profile mistakes and still get a move elsewhere. Yeah. Um. But it, for every Premier League team, they they should have at least three uh, three keepers that are ready and capable of stepping in. Um, sure. So if I you mean, look at, if, if you look at Chelsea, Chelsea had last season. I'm I'm well aware that Chelsea had um, Kepa, Rob Green, Caballero, and Caballero, yeah, and Hilario. Was Hilario still there? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He was literally turning up, training and getting a check, which, and, and, to be fair, I wouldn't mind doing myself. Ah, uh, for sure. Um, and then Kepa decided that he was going to play every minute of every game and no one could take him off, um, which is probably why Hilario isn't there. And, and, and Caballero's moved on as well, hasn't he? Uh, no, I believe Caballero's still at the club. Is he still there? Uh, let's have a look. I'm sure he is. Yeah, yeah, he's still, he's still with Chelsea. Yeah, interesting. He's just, he's just a second, second second choice keeper over there, but he's 37 now, so I'd imagine they will be trying to move him on relatively soon. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Burnley had it had it the best last year. They had Heaton, Pope, and Hart. Now, if if that's not the best three keepers collectively at the same club anywhere in the world, I'll be surprised. Um, yeah, I mean, I can I can I can half agree with that, but. Uh, when you really look back and look back at last season, Joe Hart had made a number of high-profile mistakes. Um, Pope had just come back from having shoulder surgery, so he was in the rehabilitation phase. And um, Tom Tom Heaton was the only one kind of keeping keeping the goal tally down. How how did he only go for I think it was eight or nine million to Aston Villa? Uh, I think it was more of a um, I think it was more of a thing of his age. Is he is he getting on Tom Heaton? He's 33 years old. Ah, do you, do you know what it is? You see players like Tom Heaton. I, I look back to my days as a, as a as a youth playing things like football manager, championship manager. And these are the guys that every other club always tried to loan when you start a career with Man United, for example. And I, I think in my head, he's just always been a youth player. And even yeah. even now he's. Just, I mean, you've got to remember, you've got to remember, he's 33 years old, and look at the clubs that he's been at in less than the last 10 years. But he's still won. He still won a Champions League in the Premier League. Uh, I think he's a, a solid keeper. I, I think 100, he's very good. 100%. Um, and right, so you're talking about the fee for Heaton. It was actually 7.92 million. Wow. And on transfer market, his market value is only 2.7 million. Is it really? Yeah. That's that's crazy. But from from Man, from Man United, it's crazy to think that he went from Cardiff to Bristol City and then to Burnley, and then he was at Burnley from the thirteen fourteen season until now, which is just it's just it's just incredible. But um, I mean I mean going back to Liverpool, the one thing I can't understand is if you know that you know you could potentially find yourself in in a situation where um you know you could be short on goalkeepers. They still have Loris Carrius on the books. Mm, I mean, not the greatest Cap- keeper, but at least he could <laughs> stand there and actually save something. And he's, he's a senior, he's a senior member of the squad. He's yeah. 26 years old. Carrius or Lonergan? Mm. Uh, <laughs> okay. Do I have to pull up the video of Lonergan trying to catch, trying to catch a cross and putting it into his own net? I mean, if you do, make sure you pull up the video of Carrius throwing the ball at Benzema or having his hand obliterated by Gareth Bale. To be to be fair, yeah, Lloris kind of did. Yeah, I mean, uh, Lloris Carriers did kind of um, get abused by by Bale in that game. Yeah, that was that, that was crazy. I don't think I'm ever going to see a better bicycle kick than that. It's just no, the, the that was amazing. Got it as well. It amazing, crazy. you know the, the the event, the magnitude of the event. It was it was an amazing goal. 
Um, it was an amazing goal. And, and just briefly to touch on Gareth Bell before we go back to back to Liverpool, um, Zinedine Zidane. Absolute, Zinedine Zidane absolute is... U-turn, three-point turn he's done, a three-point turn. What do you think's happened, Ben? I think, per- personally for me, excuse the anecdote, but it just feels like Florentino Perez has you know, sat, sat Bell down and just spanked him. Uh, he sat Bell and Zidane down and said, look, Bell, you're not going anywhere. You're going to play. Zidane, you're going to play him. Otherwise, we're going to have big problems. Because you've got to remember that Gareth Bell is being paid something in the region of £600,000 a week. Yeah. Exactly. So long, That's exactly what he's paid. They're like, hold on. This guy's not playing. He's coming in a couple of, t- a couple of times a week in training. Why are we paying such an extortionate amount of money to him? But I can, I can see from, from, a, from a squad point of view, I understand why um, that the Bell's been brought back into the fold because um, they've lost they've lost the sensio to a crucial ligament injury. Yeah, whole season. Uh, so that's that's going to be the whole season. Um, 150 million pound signing Eden Hazard is going to be out for at least three to four weeks with a thigh injury. Uh, he's also overweight as well. And also uh, Ferlan Mendy, their their summer signing from Lyon. Uh, is, is currently struggling with a calf injury, so that's that's three left-sided players that you that you've, that you've essentially lost. So I, I think if you keep Bale fit, Bale's a very handy player. He's he's still very good. He's is is still world class. Is he worth 600k a year? Sorry, a week? Uh, no, but but then I don't think anybody I, is. Personally, if he, if you keep him fit, he's worth that. If you keep him fit and he starts every week. And he puts a shift in, then he's he's worth that and more. I I I agree to an extent. I think there's only two players in the world that that could command a salary anywhere near that, and they do get a, a lot more than that. But I think Bale Bale is going to be a key key player for Madrid. Um, you know, you look at the players that they've lost uh, to injury. You look at the players that they've signed who aren't available. Um, you know, they've still never re- replaced Ronaldo. Um, and you know, I think the easiest way for me to measure the confidence levels in, in Real Madrid is, you know, when I go online and I play FIFA, it was always Real Madrid or Juventus, the other two teams. Whoever I was playing against, it was Real Madrid or Juventus. And and I haven't seen Real Madrid in FIFA since Ronaldo left. I've not seen them at all. Nobody wants to be them. And and, and I fear for them this season. You know, I think... I think they they will always finish in the top four in their in their country, um, just because I don't think it's the the strongest to be, league. To, to be fair, given last night's result, I'm not too concerned about Real Madrid right now. Um, Barcelona slipped to a one nil defeat against Athletic Bilbao. Yeah, I saw. Where 38 year old Adur has come on and scored a scissor kick with, that, with his first touch. So I didn't see the goal, but I read about it this morning. It was um, it was definitely up there, definitely up there. For someone that said he was going to retire last season to start the season and score a scissor kick with his first touch of the season is just it's, it's what dreams are made of. But, but um, you know Barcelona are in quite a, quite a predicament at the moment because they've lost um, they've lost Griezmann uh, they've, sorry they've lost Suarez to injury in that game he pulled up in the first half uh, Messi's still working his way back from injury so essentially in the forward areas they've, they've really the only two players they've really got now are Griezmann and um, Dembele. Coutinho seems to be on his way to Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich need Coutinho. I watched them play yesterday. And, I mean, towards the end of the game, they, they were doing quite well. But, you know, to, to start your the defence of your league title with a 2-2 draw at home is 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 not is, is not amazing, um, for, for sure. So, so I think they need some reinforcements. They're declining, actually, uh, yeah. Bayern Munich. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, um, you've seen the decline over the last two and three years. Um, and... Borussia Dortmund were architects of their own downfall last season. I felt that they could go on and win the league title with the players that they had, with the likes of uh, Marco Reus, uh, Jadon Sancho and Paco Alcacer up front. They had a comfortable lead as well. They had a comfortable lead and, and you know, injuries hit them and squad depth wasn't what it should be. And then they kind of, they kind of, they kind of slipped off. But um, I feel that this season, you know, they've, they've recruited quite well. They've brought back Mats Hummels from Bayern Munich, which is going to be a massive addition to their back line. So, um, yeah, no, I've, I think, I, I mean, for me, for me personally, Borussia Dortmund is my team in Germany. If I had to say, oh, I, I, this is the team I support, I would, I would always choose Borussia Dortmund. 
um, mainly because of Marco Royce, because I think he's just such a talented player and his his career has been hit so badly by injuries. Yeah, but I'd, I'd agree with that. I agree yeah. with that. And and Dortmund, they're almost they're almost like the Atletico Madrid. Um, you know, they, they they get good players, they build them up, they let them go, and then they always pull out another good player from somewhere. From somewhere. I remember, I remember when they lost Aubameyang, they had Blazikowski, as you said, they had Royce. Um, I think at the time they had Kagawa. And 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 they start losing players, but but they always pull out another good player. Yeah. Um. So the one one thing that I've, I think we have to kind of we have to kind of mention is this is the third game in a row where Liverpool have had pitch invasions. So um obviously they had one against uh, Manchester City in the Community Shield. They then followed that up with another one against Norwich in the Premier League, and obviously they they, they had one on Wednesday, which led to the, the injury to, to Adria. Yeah. So it's 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 a very it's a very difficult situation to be in, but I feel that Liverpool needs to take action now before somebody does get seriously hurt. Um, and listening to Jurgen Klopp's pre-match press conference, um, he come across as extremely arrogant in saying that we're going to sit down with UEFA and see what UEFA can do to stop this. Now it's not UEFA's responsibility, although they they do have to take some responsibility because you know it is their event. Yeah. But, at the end of the day, if you're there supporting your club and you and you take part in a pitch invasion, then it should be down to the club to discipline them. There are plenty plenty of cameras um, at the event, so there's no reason why you your face can't be picked up and matched against um, CCTV coming in and out of Anfield on a match day. And um, for me, Liverpool just needs to be handing out lifetime bans to, to those who do pitch invade. See ya. I, I, I'm I'm on the other side of the fence slightly because I I don't want to be a hypocrite. Um, I I'm a Charlton fan. I know, I know, I know, and, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, and I was at the well, I was at the playoff final. Um, I mean, I was in Club Wembley, so I definitely wasn't able to to pitch invade. Um, but I think Wembley's a, a pretty, or usually a, a pretty secure, secure venue. But if I look at the playoff semi-final against Doncaster where we won on penalties I I, I, I did pitch invade <laughs> I did pitch invade I went on the pitch with my son and he really loved it I loved it it was it was a momentous occasion everybody was happy and you know it's difficult for me to say that people should be penalized for doing it because I'd done it but at the same time if players are you know coming to to, to, to harm then you know absolutely it's something that that needs to be stopped and <clears throat> i know it's i know it's liverpool so they won't want to hear this but i think one of the best clubs at preventing pitch invasions are everton i think if you look at well, that's because i haven't got any fans <laughs> everton have got uh very very passionate fans um they, they, they might not have high numbers but what they do uh, well, at about 83 minutes you just see a swarm an absolute swarm an army of stewards just walking around every part of the pitch and, and they almost hold hands around the perimeter. Um, and you, you just, you just wouldn't be able to get on the pitch. You wouldn't be able to get on the pitch. So I think you're absolutely right in as much as clubs need to take a little bit of responsibility or a bit more responsibility to ensure that they do keep players safe and they keep the fans safe, the pitch safe. Um, and, and you can't police, you know, a football stadium when everybody's on the pitch, fans included. So it is the responsibility of the clubs as well, but but I do sympathise with, with with Jurgen Klopp a little bit. You know, it, it is also the responsibility of you know the, the the sanctioning body, whether that's UEFA, whether that's FIFA, the Premier League, to ensure that they are doing what they can to to prevent it. Um, but you know, I I, I sympathise with you, but can't wholeheartedly agree because you know I'm 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 a pitch invader. <laughs> no, no, of course, of course. That, that, look, at the end of the day, I'm I'm as, as as it sounds, I'm happy for you to disagree with me on the podcast because you know it's it's about opinions, and if we do have a different opinion, it's it's a good topic for discussion, and I can understand where you're coming from, but in the in 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 the same sense, look at what happened to West Ham uh, under under David Moyes, where they were losing the game against Burnley, and a fan. Ran onto the pitch, stole the corner flag, and placed it in the centre. Yeah, sure. Uh, no, I remember that. Nearly squared up with Mark Noble. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I mean, obviously that's that that's that's a bit extreme. You know, when when I jumped on the pitch, it was in different circumstances. It was the end of the penalty shootout. But you, you're absolutely right. I mean, I remember a game where a fan ran onto the pitch and punched the goalkeeper. 
<laughs> literally punched the goalkeeper. Well, do you not remember last season um, in the in the Midland the Midlands derby, where yeah, a fan oh, where a fan a invaded Grealish. the pitch and punched Jack Grealish? I was just like. I was watching it. I was like, Did that actually, just happened. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, of all the players that you would want to punch from Aston Villa, it would be Jack Grealish, but it doesn't. It doesn't make it any better. Okay. It doesn't make uh, it any better. Another different opinion. I actually <laughs> like Jack Grealish. Come on. He's a good. He's a good player. Uh, do you know, I, I, I respect. I've lost 19 games of him in the side. I respect him. I just think I'm, I'm old school. I think any player that wears shin pads that you know only take up a quarter of their shin, have their socks really low down, you know they have to be really, really good. And I think he's a decent player, but you know I look at him and, and just see prima donna. Um, no, I mean I was watching the, um, I was watching an interview with him, and apparently the, um, the shin pads he wears are age five to seven. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> It's it's crazy, it's crazy, but yeah, I know. I mean, I mean, there's there's plenty there's plenty of stuff for um for Liverpool to do in terms of goalkeeping, and there's plenty of stuff that they need to do in terms of um protecting their players and their fans. But um, we'll move on from that now. Um, so next topic is gonna be Stephen Dawson of Berry versus the owner of Berry, Steve Dale. And this is quite an interesting one. There was literally a ten minute argument on Talksport between um player and owner over unpaid wages and the fact that Stephen Dawson is on the verge of losing everything he has because he has not been paid his wages in six months. So um, the owner the owner of Berry, come on and uh, said that, you know, it's not my responsibility. The PFA have played half, paid half of your wages and I'm going to pay them back in a very, um, very brutish, very arrogant, you know, you know, way. And I think that is everything that is wrong with Berry Football Club at this moment in time. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I do agree. You know, because because they're footballers and we feel like they get paid, you know, very well. No, we, no, we, yeah, 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 exactly that. Exactly that. In in League Two, which they were last season, so they'd all be on League Two contracts, really. Um, you know, I dread to think that the club were able to you know, offer improved terms to players if they haven't got the financial capability to ensure that they're being paid on the contracts that they're already on. I mean, so, to be fair, the way, the way that the owner is going around, it really wouldn't surprise you. It, it wouldn't. Uh, it wouldn't. But surely there has to be some sort of, you know, approval process, whether that be internally that, you know, kind of sits within a board of people, whereby it, it isn't the responsibility um, of, of, of one single person. You know, that, that would point to a systematic failure. I think when you've always got you know, if you've got a, a governing body or a ruling body or a, you know, a, a, a controlling voice that doesn't reason or have any, you know, kind of line of accountability to anybody else, that's that's always tricky. But you know, just because they're a footballer doesn't mean that they can cope. You know, working for for free uh, or for a, you know half of the money that they're used to earning um, for for a prolonged period of time. It shouldn't be happening at all, at all. And you know, I think we're we're way too quick to say, oh, he's a footballer, he'll be all right. But, you know, he's, he's a person. He's got a family, he's got a mortgage. And... Oh, no, absolutely. I actually know, I actually know Stephen Dawson personally from, um, from, from my time um, with Leighton Orient when I was, when I was younger. Yeah. And um, I, was, I sat down and um, I had a conversation with him and Dean Cox. And they're both the two most down-to-earth guys you could ever meet. Um, you know, they haven't got that, that typical footballer's bravado where they, they kind of, brush you off oh you're just a fan this and they just talk to you like you're a normal person yeah that was, that was something i found really enlightening um and and for me i feel that steve steve dale is just uh, to be honest I, i'm gonna just come out and say he's an absolute tool he has had <laughs> eight months to get this club back on track and get the finances in place he now has eight days to stop the club from being expelled from the league and essentially going out of existence for a club it, that's got over a hundred years of history, he's he's not going to do it. It's it's not going to happen. If if it was going to happen, it would have happened already. He's too stubborn and too arrogant to do anything. Even if he had the money, I don't think he would put it into the club to save it. And I mean, that's that's probably part of. Well, that's that's probably all of the reason why why they're in this situation. Because you know, I didn't know that that they'd been in 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 trouble for eight months. Um, but but. You know, now you're saying it. Let's not forget that last season they they were promoted. They had a really successful season. So, you know, as as the time is elapsing and you're generating 
uh, additional income from match days, from you know sponsorships, from winning prize money. You you know you know that you've got this deadline, and you're not doing anything with the money other than you know kind of withdrawing it and siphoning it siphoning it away from the I club. Feel, I feel I feel that this has been a long-standing thing because there's been no 2019-2020 kit unveiled. There's been no sponsors announced. Um, it look, doesn't look like it doesn't look like the stadium has been renovated or touched yeah. over the summer. So, so you think you think he's been resigned to to this happening? I think for, he's for I think he's time. resigned to losing the club, and it really wouldn't surprise me if after the club does go under, that stadium gets ripped up, and it, it and it becomes a development opportunity. It's because I I find I would find it very hard to believe if they if that that stadium is protected under 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 a grade listing or um you know as as a community hub yeah, or whatever it might be I, I I would doubt it um I, I would doubt it very much I agree with you um but but then it begs the question that if they need 3.2 million pounds to enter into this agreement whereby you know they can fulfil their fixtures for, for for this year surely. Like, surely, I'm not saying the EFL should bail people out and, you know, kind of allow people to run the club into the ground and then come, you know, through with a a superhero cape and save them. But the EFL is very profitable, very profitable. Um, You know, they make a lot of money from uh, from sponsorship as well. Yeah, they 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 do give out give out prize money, but 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 they're they're profitable. I'm sure they're a cash rich organization. Would would they not be able to? I mean, to Just be honest, let, they're, let they're the, sponsored by Sky. Season. Yeah, I mean, well, they're, spon- they're sponsored by Skybet, so I would imagine they are a very profitable organisation. Prior to that, yeah. they were sponsored by Coca-Cola, Empower. Yeah. Um. So they've had a, lot, a number of sponsors over the years. And to be honest, for me, it, it just seems now that we're in a position where we're looking at the EFL, and we we I'm I'm just just kind of excuse the language, but we're kind of sitting there and thinking, what the fuck are you doing? Because it's up to it's nearly three three four clubs now that are in financial turmoil. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you look at Sol Campbell, who's just a part of Macclesfield because he hasn't been paid this year. Um, Macclesfield are facing a winding up petition from players because they haven't been paid. Yeah. Bolton have got five senior players in their whole squad, and Berry haven't even got any contracted players. Uh, no games as well. Haven't played so at all. What are the EFL doing? They need to step in and help these clubs out. Because it's, it's either that or they're gonna they're they're gonna be losing clubs every yeah. season on a consistent basis sure. like this. It's it's gonna be like grassroots. That's what it's gonna be. You know, grassroots teams spurts up. You, you don't get many grassroots teams celebrating their fifth year, their tenth year. Um, you know, these are long-standing clubs, and if if they're running into into difficulty, um, you know, look at look at Bournemouth. Bournemouth nearly ne- nearly went bust, um, and it wasn't it wasn't that long ago, and. The only the only thing that saved them were the fans. The fans saved them, and and now look at them. You know, all, same all as it, Portsmouth. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It happened with Portsmouth as well, and you know, it, it, it's 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 not the fans' responsibility. There are powers that be that can that can step in and and can help, and it doesn't always have to be financially. I'm not saying they have to inject a whole heap of money into certain clubs to keep them afloat, but. Even if it's with consultant, um, you know, con- con- consultants that go in and, you know, kind of redesign certain the thing, processes yeah, the, the within thing, the, the club. The thing that I can't understand is the club needs to, the, the Berry needs to raise 3.2 million pounds to enter into a CBA agreement. Why have they not gone into administration? Yeah, sure. Let take, the administrators take control of the club and put it right. Because I have not, I, I have every, I have every uh, faith that if administrators do come into Berry, they will get this situation resolved. But where it's being left in the hands of the owner, it's not. There is, there is nothing. Nothing is going to come of it. He's too arrogant. He's too stubborn. He will not do anything. He will watch the club burn. Yeah. And for a club that's been there for over 130 years, yeah, it's, 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 hard, it's disgusting. Just, just from a neutral football fan, it's heartbreaking to see. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I didn't quite know the details surrounding Sol Campbell's departure from Macclesfield. Um, I will say that he done very well towards the back end of last season. Uh, and I think last game, correct me if I'm wrong, they turned over Orient, right? So yeah, it was yeah. um two, two or three, two or three, two nil. Yeah, I, two, I, nil? I think it was three nil, but um, I I had no idea. Um, and, and Sol Campbell, let's be honest, he's not backwards about coming forwards, right? So yeah, he he's done a very good job of 
of managing that situation um, and keeping it in internal because I didn't know that. I definitely didn't know that the players weren't being paid and you know they'd put in a petition to start a winding up order against the club. I, I had no idea. So you know, whilst I, I don't necessarily agree with all of the things Sol Campbell does and says and thinks. I think you know on this occasion he's he's done an incredibly good job to keep to keep that out of the public domain. Yeah, I think I think because I think Sal Campbell was put in a catch twenty two situation because it's his first job in management. He doesn't want to be seen to be the person that leaves the club when they're in difficulty. But in the same sense, if he if he's going to continue to to manage and not be paid, then he might as well go and you know start a grassroots team and fund that. Because at the end of the day, he's there. It's a job. He comes in six days a week, seven days a week to work. And if you're coming in six, seven days a week to work and you're not being paid, are you really going to continue to come in? No, absolutely. Is it fair not. on you? No, for sure. Absolutely not. I just, I just feel that yes, the clubs have got they found their own their own financial difficulties, but I just feel that the the governing bodies and the, the leagues that they are attached to need to be stepping in. Yeah, I I agree with you. I um, agree with you. I agree with you. Um, I mean, let's let's knock all of the negativity uh, on 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 the head for now. I think let's let let's look at let's look at this weekend's fixtures, Ben. Have a look okay. at this 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 weekend's fixtures. Um, what's what's your fixture of the week? Uh, well, I mean, the fixture of the week has to you know you can't look past Man City Spurs. Um, you know, quarter finalists, semi finalists of the Champions League last season. Yeah. Um, Man City have, have strengthened in the, the the club record signing of Rodri, who, who seems to be a direct replacement for um, Fernandinho when he does, yeah. does eventually start slowing down. But for the, for the guy that, as old as he is, Fernandinho definitely gets about. You can still play him in the ten in the centre midfield. Or you could even play him out wide if you had to. Um, he's such a such a versatile player. Um, whereas whereas you look at Spurs, um, Spurs are in a bit of trouble at the moment. Because um, obviously they're they're still without Son, who's still suspended. <clears throat> yeah, I think um, this is his last game. Is, it, is this his last game? Yeah, I believe this is. Yeah, I think this is his last game. Yeah, this will be the third game. Uh, they're also they're also without Deli Ali. Yeah. Um, Lacelso could could um come come on and make an impact, but that you know, um that that still remains to be seen. And obviously you've um you got the addition of Indombele, who's who who's he looks more good. than he looks good. Yeah, he's he's more than likely going to partner partner um, Sissoko in the midfield, but I feel that Spurs Spurs are going to have a lot of problems this season on and off the field. Ericsson has to play, Ben. He has er- to play. Ericsson has to play. He's Ericsson got to start. Has to sign a deal. I, I understand that. I do understand that. But you know, the only way you're going to get him to sign a deal is by is by playing him because he's 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 openly said, you know, I, I would leave, I would go and play for this club or that club. So he he's he's not going to respond positively by being left out and and he's such a key player for Tottenham uh, at least not with the absentees that you mentioned he he has to start Tottenham were abysmal they were just so blunt they had no creativity against Aston Villa he comes Yeah on. that that was that was mainly down to Pochettino though because he decided to play a diamond in midfield with um Lamella at the tip of the diamond I don't rate Lamella at all now my brother's a, a Tottenham fan and he thinks that Lamella's you know, it's always going to be Lamella's year. This will be the year that Lamella, you know, fulfills his potential. It'll be this year, um, and it's always this year, but it's it's actually never this year. I think uh, I think Paul Gascoigne is more likely to come back and win the Ballon d'Or than Lamella <laughs> is to fulfill his potential. We've been saying we've been saying this for how many years now? What was the year? What year did he join Spurs? It must have been the same year. Do you know? I think he's been there for three, four it's, seasons. It's just, it was the same, was same year that Bell left, 2013. Yeah, 2013. There you go. Five years he's been there. Six, this is his sixth season. Six six years he's been there, and he's this well, is right. So so looking at the stats, so Eric Lamella has played 129 games for Tottenham Hotspur and scored 14 goals. Wow. He played 62 games for Roma and scored 19 goals. Different different league. Different and he league. Was, he was only with Roma for two years. Yeah. Regardless of whether it's whether it's and you know. Um, a different league, you would expect him to match or better that tally. Oh, absolutely. Then, over double yeah, that yeah, time. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, he's, he's got the attributes. He's, he's, he's quick. He's left-footed. Like, he, he's got the attributes. But for, for whatever reason, it, it just never, never seems to click. 
I can I can I can probably give you the the best explanation as to why it's never worked for Eric Lamella. Go on. And it's that the Premier League is too physical. If you look at if you look at his injury record since he joined the Premier League compared to where where he was before, the league is too physical and too demanding for him. He cannot cope with the physical pressures. Um, you know, some somebody knocks him to the floor and he's out for six weeks. <laughs> like, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> It's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And don't get me wrong, I've got a lot of time for Eric Lamella as a player. Um, I, I do, I do like him as a player. But if if the league is too tough, then you need to move on. Yeah. You know, the, sure. the the Premier League is not here as a stopgap for certain players. It's not here to to kind of um, build players up and then let them move on. The Premier League is the best league in the world, and if you can't cut it at this level, move on. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Okay. So um, I think we'll we'll, uh, we'll wrap up the podcast with um, our weekend predictions. Um, so we're going to go for uh, first game of the day, twelve thirty. Uh, Arsenal Burnley. I, I can't see past Arsenal, and and that hurts me to say it. My my father's a Burnley fan. My friends are Arsenal fans, and I, I it's, it's it's an Arsenal win, it's a home win. Okay. Um, well, I mean, I'll give you an interesting stat before you make your final decision. Uh, Sean Dyche has never beaten Arsenal. Oh, there you go. In his managerial career. There you go. I'm going to double down and say Arsenal by two clear goals. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to go for Arsenal. I, I, I don't want to predict the exact score, but if I had to, I'd probably say 4-1. 4-1? Yeah. 4-1. Who's, who's getting Burnley's goal? Uh, it's got to be Ashley Barnes. Do you think? Yeah, I like Barnes. I like Barnes as well. Yeah. Okay, so uh, second game of the day is going to be Aston Villa versus Bournemouth. Tricky one. Tricky fixture. Now this is this is one if I was putting together an acca, I'd I'd still still well well clear of. Um, no, I, I'll, I, I, I'll I like get Bournemouth. Paris and cut it off the slip. Yeah, so the same. <laughs> I like Bournemouth a lot. Um, you know, if I had to have a prem, Premier League team, it, it would probably be Bournemouth. I just like the way they run. I like their manager. I like their players, their style of play. Um, they didn't perform very well against Sheffield United. Um, Villa did perform well against Tottenham in the sense of they took their chance and then defended well for the vast majority of the game. Um, you know, I'd, I'd lean towards a draw, but I don't like predicting draws. So, I'm going to go away win, but I'll caveat it with do not put it on your acca at all. Yeah, I mean, looking at looking at the odds, Aston Villa are 6-5 and Bournemouth for 2-1. to one. Oh, there you go. Villa, Villa favourites. So that, 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 tells, that tells you all you need to know in terms of how close the odds are. Yeah, and, um, and, and, and I, I recognise why. That, that's yeah, I mean, I mean for, me, for me, Bournemouth are historically poor away from home. So um, I'm I'm definitely gonna have to back a back an Aston Villa win, and I'm definitely I'll, I'll, I'm gonna back Jack Grealish to get his uh, first Premier League goal as well. There we go. There we go. Interesting. Uh, okay, so um, the next one should be very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Brighton and Hove Albion <clears throat> versus West Ham United. I'm gonna surprise you here, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna back West Ham. I'm gonna back West Ham. Look, Brighton started really well match day one. I'm three nil win. West Ham. You, you do not think? I I, I think West Ham. Never beat Brighton. I think you've got a very good squad. Um, I say very good squad. I think you've got a top ten squad, but you don't you don't you know historically perform very well against lesser teams. Now I'm not saying Brighton are a lesser team. Um, I certainly didn't expect them to turn over Watford last week. Um, I know they got a little bit of help from I think it was Decore. Um, you know, put 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 Brighton on their way, but yep. Decore, the Brighton and Hove yeah. Albion legend. <laughs> I just think I, I just think West Ham are gonna are gonna have enough. Um, I know they got turned over by City, but a lot of teams are gonna get turned over by City. That's uh, you know, it's a free hit for them. Um, you know, I say Listen, free top, hit. I, was, I, would, I would I'm gonna I'm gonna go out here and say that a lot of the top six top top seven sides are gonna get turned over yeah. by Manchester City anyway. Right. Yeah, I, I would so it's I would not agree. it's not that much. It's it's no. it's not that disheartening that they've they they lost by five goals. No, sure. Um but for me I, I can't look past Brighton and Hove Albion simply for the fact that um no Mark Noble in the side. Um and West Ham United have never beaten Brighton and Hove Albion in the Premier League. Stats are there to 
to, to be broken, Ben. You got you got to have some faith. I, I thought as a as, as a hammer, you, you'd be all over that. You know, I, I've, well, I've I said got, I, I've, I said I supported them growing up, and it's I support them now. <laughs> ah, okay. Well, okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am saying West Ham. I, I'm going away win. Okay, so we'll find one apiece again, Brighton and Hove Albin, and I'm going for Brighton, you're going for West Ham. Yeah. Okay, um, another tight-ish sort of game. Um, Everton versus Watford. Uh, home win. Home win. Well, I mean, they've got £35 million, man, Alex Awobi to come in, so... Um, I, I don't rate Awobi at all. Arsenal done an amazing piece of business there, getting £35 million for Awobi, but I think they've, they've strengthened really well. I don't know if all of their signings are available. Um, I know, you know, they've got Snyderlin, who who isn't. Um, he's definitely not available. But I think Watford. Tackle to make. It, it was when you're on a booking, you know, don't just just don't like literally do not do it. There was no danger. It was it was just rash. It was yeah. just rash. It was lazy. To be honest, for me, as someone who's coached football before, if somebody had turned around to me and said, "I'll give you thirty-five million pounds to Alex Awobi." I would have piggybacked him to Merseyside. Oh, for sure. Uh, ab- absolutely. Because I can guarantee you now that it's £35 million pounds plus add-ons. Yeah. So it's not just going to be a £35 million pound deal. But, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely... You can't you can't go past a home win on that one. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Everton all day. extremely poor at Bright- um, against Brighton. And um, I, just, I just don't see where they can improve. But uh, Brighton do tend to... Uh, sorry, Watford do tend to see uh, have a cycle. Yeah. Where they'll have a period where they do really well, such as getting to the FA Cup final. Um, and then following that, they'll they'll just go on a sharp decline. Manager will get sacked. New manager will come in. And then the cycle starts again. They start doing well, then it's, it's falls to pieces. No, no, I agree with that. But yeah, no, I mean, obviously, I, I wish Watford all the best. I think, you know, Troy Dean is one of my favourite players at the moment. I think he, he, I think he does. He puts everything on the line every time he plays. But... Um, uh, you know, I just you can't look past Everton win for that one. Um, uh, for me, this next game is going to be a basement battle come the end of the season. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's uh, Norwich City versus Newcastle United. Kawasaki. I don't know what I think. I, I don't want to predict draws, but I, you know, I could see them playing for you know 180 minutes and it being nil nil. Um, if I had to pick, I'd. You know, kind of slightly favour Norwich just because they're at home. Newcastle traditionally aren't great travellers. And, you know, Norwich Norwich played Liverpool in, in their first game. Let's not forget that. They did get turned over, but, you know, they, they, they did have some, some chances. I think Pukki's going to nick nick a few goals for them. Um, they were free scoring in the championship. I know it's a different, different league, different level, but Newcastle are the most uh, intimidating of... Of Premier League teams, and and if you're going to do well in the Premier League, if you're going to stay in the Premier League, these are the games you need to win. Certainly your home games against the the teams that are going to be around you. So, you know, I'd I'd kind of lean towards Norwich, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if if this game finished nil nil, no shots on target. Yeah, I mean, the 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 thing for me is obviously I watched uh, Arsenal against Newcastle, and uh, Newcastle looked very very bright. Uh, Joe Linton does seem like a handful up front. Um, it, feel, it feels like Almiron did play a little bit too far, too far forward in that game, but Almiron does look like a very, very good player once he gets going. So um, I'm, I'm definitely going to have to go for a Newcastle win. Um, I think if I was to put a bet on, I would have to go for a Newcastle win, both teams to score. Um, because I feel Okay, like, interesting. Because uh, I feel that, that Norwich, Norwich will get a goal through Kimi Pukki. And I think that's, that's going to be the, the, the story of their season. I think a lot of their games, they will score. But they they just won't keep clean sheets, and you know they'll they'll go one nil up, or they'll pull pull it back to one one, and then they'll eventually come the end of the game they'll just collapse. And for yeah. me, I'm looking at Norwich in the sense of if Liverpool can turn up and beat them four one, what can City do to them? That's 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 how I look at it. And it's 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 not necessarily the way to think, but it's the only way you can think because if 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 Liverpool can put four past them. And City have got probably about six, seven attacking players that they can rotate through in that game. Yeah. You could be looking at a Sunderland-Southampton scoreline. Well, I agree, I, agree, I agree with that. I agree with that. I mean, the only thing I'll say in Norwich's defence, and I'll caveat it by saying Liverpool were, were already 4-0 up, 
um, is they won the second half 1-0. <laughs> That's the only positive they can take from from that game. Um, I mean, to be fair, Liverpool did take their foot off the gas. Yeah, exactly that. You know, you've got to they, 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 Do you know what it is? They didn't even take their foot off the gas. They just got bored. Oh, we're bored of scoring. We'll just pass it around for a little while. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Um, two, two, two games to go. And, I mean, they're both... I'd be surprised if we had differing uh, differing winners uh, in the next one. So, we got, what, Southampton at, at home against Liverpool. Yeah. I want to hear your prediction first because you, you, you want to hear my prediction. My yeah. prediction is Southampton are going to get mauled. I think I think they're going to get mauled. I know Liverpool, you know, didn't play as well as they could have done against Chelsea, but they still done enough to win. Um, different caliber of opposition. Burnley smashed Southampton last week. Southampton are just they're 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 going to get they're going to get beaten. Um, but look look back in recent history in the last four or five games that Liverpool played against Southampton. Southampton always turn up against Liverpool. Um, I mean, Southampton could bring two teams uh, and and play both of you them. Say, you say you say that, but fatigue is a fatigue is a very big thing in football. Uh, I agree with that. I agree. With and that. the the trophy lift for the UEFA Super Cup took place at one a.m. on Thursday morning in yeah. in local local time in Turkey. And straight after the trophy lift, they had they had to fly uh, fly back. Obviously, they would have had to take Thursday as a rest day. They would have had to train light training yesterday. And then they've got a match today at 3 o'clock. So I don't think that Liverpool are going to be physically ready to play this game. Um, uh, which is... Uh, you know, they, 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 they play for... Southampton win. You're backing a Southampton win. I'm backing a Southampton win at 5-1. to one. Oh, my God. Um, ben, I wish you the best of luck. The absolute best of luck. Um, you know, nothing would bring me as much joy as, as a Southampton win. Um, at least not now. I know that you're going to get a little bit of change out of it, but I just, I just can't see it. I just can't see how Liverpool are not going to smash Southampton to pieces. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's go on to the last game. And uh, to be honest, if we've got different opinions on this one, I'll be shocked. <laughs> it, it depends who you're asking. If you're asking Ben, the Ben, the football man, or if you're asking Ben the individual, um, you might I'm, I'm asking I'm asking Ben the statistician, not uh, uh, Ben the go. optimist. All right, so I mean Man City are going to obliterate Tottenham as well. So I, I think you know. I'm looking three, at I'm looking at four, five, six goals in this game. I, I, especially I if Vertonghen doesn't play. Why didn't Vertonghen play uh, against Villa? Why was he uh, left out? What I've heard, there's been a disagreement with the manager. Fair enough. Yeah, um, as far as I'm aware, he's fully fit. But um, the manager just didn't select him. It's a weird one because Tottenham give Tottenham give games to people like Juan Foyth. Um, I know he didn't play against against Villa, but he's the poorest excuse for centre back. He he is. You know, if you've got if you've got Alderweire, Vertonga, and Sanchez. How how do you give games to any anyone other than that? I'd rather uh, play Harry centre back. Yeah, I, I like Winks. I think he's a. a I love. Uh, yeah, I, I think, think he's a an effective player. Field. Yeah, I, I I could see I could see him. Do you know what? I, I'll, I'll go as far as to infuriate every West Ham fan I ever ever known. I think Winks is is better than Declan Rice as as of right now today, pound for pound. I think he's a better Two player than Declan positions. Rice. Uh, I I get it. One's a holding, one's a, one's a defensive midfielder and a, and a centre back, and one's a box to box midfielder. So it's so hard to compare those two positions. Uh, I, I like him a lot. I worry for Tottenham down the the right hand side, uh, especially if they're playing Lamella there. Carl um, Walker's Peters is. You know, Listen, I worry every time Lamella takes to the pitch. Oh, uh, I think Lamella's physio worries every time Lamella takes to the pitch. Why would he um, worry? He knows he's getting extra money. <laughs> I think he's just sick and tired of, uh, of rubbing his leg, to be honest. But um, <laughs> yeah, he's getting off right. But uh, <laughs> back back to the game. I think you know. I think I think City will, will probably win by you know two or three clear goals. I think there will be goals in the game. Absolutely. I think Tottenham will score. But but I think City will score a lot more. Um, so it's 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 a City win. But I would love a Spurs win. I would love a Spurs win. But I think it's going to be it's going to be City, isn't it? Yeah, it's got it's got to be City. Got to be City. It's the um, 
it's the pep effect. It's the pep effect. It's just, that guy is just something else completely. But um, yeah, no, I mean, um, I think I think that, that that about wraps it for the podcast. Um, we are we are kind of sitting here watching the Arsenal game at the same time, and I can see it's one nil to Arsenal. So Lacazette. one of the predictions is coming in. <laughs> there we go, Lacker. Um, I yeah, I think I think that's a that's a banker, isn't it? Arsenal to to, to beat Burnley. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd have to say so. Yeah, but um, but yeah, no, I mean um, if you if you made it to this part of the podcast, thank you very much for listening. Um, make sure to check out our social links down below. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, it will be in the description. If you're on Spotify, it will be in the, um, the album details. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening and we'll catch you in the next one. Take care.